0: The following program is a paid presentation. The views and or opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of KWAM. Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis.
1: Listen to you move your mind, I bet you come way down south. don't tell me, let me guess. you from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis. I swear I can't get enough Listening to you that stuff talk Memphis, oh
0: yeah, talk Memphis. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, good morning and welcome to today's program. Research will tell us, of course, that the worst performing month of the year has been, of course, August, the S&P 500, since 1994, it's just only it's averaged a loss of about six-tenths of a percent, and the best has been April, which has averaged a return of 1.9%. Now, just what does that mean to us as investors? Well, we'll find out later on in the program. But just remember this, past performance is not an indication of future performance. But here's the thought. All indication is that the Fed will cut interest rates at their next meeting. And why would the Fed cut interest rates now with full employment, And the market hitting all-time highs. Are there problems in China that we don't know about? Is the bond market sending recession signals and maybe at least deflation signals? Well, Rusty Leonard is here from Stewardship Partners, and he's going to break all this down for us, the news that's going all over the place. And we're going to find out from him just what does it really, really mean? And how do we look at the rest of the summer and the rest of the year? In the second half of the of the program, our guest is Nancy Crawford. She's the director of marketing and communications with the Better Business Bureau of Mid-South. And she's going to help us with some very, very serious questions. What's the most likely people, the person who's targeted for scams? What are some of the scams that we need to be aware of today? Well, you've heard Nancy before on programs here with KWAM. She's an excellent guest, and she will give us tremendous amounts of information. So you'll want to stay with us through the second half of the program to hear from Nancy. From our Did You Know Files, this is not a surprise to most of you, but our U.S. economy is the largest in the world. As of March of this year, according to the Commerce Department, the U.S. economy was $21 trillion in size. Fifty years ago. Anybody want to give me a guess? Fifty years ago, the U.S. economy was only, and I say that only, tongue-in-cheek, $1 trillion. Now, that's nominal GDP growth of 6.27, not adjusted for inflation, not too bad for a couple of colonies a little over 200-some-odd years ago. I know everyone has the trade war of China on your mind, and no question, you know, the subject is extremely important, and I know that. But here's what the Commerce Department has provided us. If you compare the first five months of 2019 to the first five months of 2018, the Chinese exports to the United States have fallen 12 percent, while American exports to China— That's fallen 19 percent. The fact is the trade that we're doing with the world is shifting away from China. Our U.S. manufacturers, and that's the good part, have moved some of their supply chains, and that would be expected for what they're doing. Where is it going? The U.S. is increasing imports from Taiwan. That's up 22 percent. India up 12 percent. And South Korea, it's up 12 percent. That's through the end of May. We'll find out more about that. We'll kind of keep an eye on that. But kind of exciting to see exactly what our U.S. manufacturers are doing in this trade war with China. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to TalkMoney@shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Coming up, Rusty Leonard. What is in, what is in store for us with the economy and the market? Market for the second half of the year. Important questions we're going to be asking him. Nancy Crawford, Better Business Bureau, she's going to be with us. She'll be talking about who is targeted for scams and why. You might be surprised as you listen to her. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money
1: podcast of talk money are available in the itunes store just search shoemaker financial we'll be right back with more talk money after this neither securing financial services
0: inc nor shoemaker financial are affiliated with rusty leonard stewardship partners nancy crawford or the better business bureau the views and opinions are expressed are those of rusty leonard and nancy crawford only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by securing financial services inc or shoemaker
1: financial and now back to talk money with your host jim shoemaker
2: Well, welcome back. We're going to be talking with Rusty Leonard. And I tell you, it's always exciting to have Rusty in, especially a couple of weeks ago. We talked about what did a asset manager, a money manager actually do? Learned a lot from Rusty, but we always like to have him about this time of the year because we kind of look a little bit maybe about what's happened, but really more about what he feels is going to happen. And Rusty, I just say to you, man, it's great to have you on the program, sir. Welcome to a Wednesday program for me.
3: Hey, thank you. Always a pleasure to be with you.
2: You know, Rusty, one of the questions that I mentioned in the monologue in the preparation for the program today, we talked a little bit just about the. It seems all indication is the Fed, Mr. Powell, is going to go in and they're going to raise interest rates next week. And. That's kind of the, the sound that we hear, and yet, the, you know, if you looked back about three months ago, it was, say, about 60%. Well, that's escalated, as you know, and it says if he doesn't do it this time in September, it's 100%. But I think you kind of feel that he's probably going to raise interest rates next week, and why would you do that with everything seemed to be, seems to be going along pretty good, full employment, and, you know, it's just not a real reason to change the, you know, the rates. What do you think, thoughts?
3: Yeah, I would never have expected this. Uh, in my whole career, it goes against all kinds of economic theories and, uh, and all that. And I guess that all those have been thrown out uh, the window uh, as a result of just the change in our economy and the way things work. But, you know, it's very unusual for the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates at a time when stock market is all-time highs. And the employment is, uh, you know, anybody who wants a job has a job right now. And uh, that's – it's usually you would – in the past, it would have been viewed as the Federal Reserve was acting completely irresponsibly by doing such a thing because it would be stoking inflation. In this case, uh, we've had a very, you know, a very good economy and a great stock market and uh, a lot of good economic uh, numbers across the board, but we still don't have very much inflation and this has been a problem since, uh, to a certain extent, it's not really a problem, it's a blessing in many ways, but uh, in an economic theory perspective, there should be a little bit more inflation than what we've seen, and it's uh, always a little disconcerting that we might fall back into a deflationary mode, which is a very bad thing for the economy. So I think what they're trying to do is head off at the past, the potential for us to fall back into a deflationary mode and trying to create some inflation. So this is a completely different way of thinking than what you and I uh, being old geezers that we are, careful, are, uh,
2: careful, seeing,
3: careful, <laughs> being, <laughs> being uh, used to seeing from the Federal Reserve, so we may have to adapt uh, to that and get used to it.
2: Well, I, I think I can understand that, and that that would have been my thought is that we've gotten almost uh, non-existent as far as inflation being a very small number. But let me think this now. Just just hear me out, and let's kind of talk about this for a second. I. Don't know if that's the only reason. Do you think there's something with China that maybe they know that we don't? Is there is there some information floating around? I mean, we've got an envoy headed to China now, and are we about to strike a deal, or are we about to decide we're not going to? What do you think is going on with China?
3: Yeah, that's, pretty, that's a really complicated question uh, because there's so many aspects to it, but for, the one aspect is, hey, China is a competitor from an economic perspective to the United States now. And we may be trying to cut them off at their knees uh, as much as we are trying to get a fair, fair trade deal out of them. So we may want to set them back. And, and from a geopolitical, strategical standpoint, we've got them in a very bad spot because they have grown their economy uh, for the better part of a quarter of a century at a very high rate of speed. And they in the last five, ten years, they've done that. Through a monster amount of debt, and so if that debt starts crumbling, that economy is going to crumble. It's kind of similar to what ours what happened to ours in two thousand and eight. So I think there's some geopolitical stuff going on here, and the Federal Reserve may be uh, clued in as to what the the bigger game plan is, and they may be cutting rates in advance of the economic repercussions of China really hitting a tough recession and kind of exporting that deflationary wave uh, to the rest of the world. So they may be trying to get ahead of something that they know. Could very well be coming because it may be that 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 trade negotiation is just never going to work out, and China's economy is going to continue to suffer until it breaks, and uh, that that could be part of what's going on here.
2: I had mentioned earlier too that it seems like well, it, the very Commerce Department just recently reported that U.S. manufacturers have moved some of their supply chains away from China and it's going to Taiwan, to India, South Korea. Is that is that? pressure? Is that enough? I mean, you know, so is that enough pressure to get them to the table or is it more coming from just the fact that they know we may be holding the cards to what their future economy looks like?
3: And we are holding the cards because, you know, we're the one who brings in all this stuff from China. So uh, they don't buy a lot from us. We buy a lot from them. So they need us more than we need them. And uh, so we do hold all the cards. And I think, uh, you know, they know that we know that they know that we know that, and so all these. This is a big, just a big dance. Uh, the question in my mind is whether or not we even want a trade deal with them, or do we want to break their back first <laughs> economically? Uh-huh. Because, like I said, they're they're exposed. Uh, they've, they've they're at risk because of all the debt they've taken on, and all those uh, manufacturing jobs that are leaving to all the places you mentioned, Vietnam's another place where they're going, in – uh, uh, and mass as well that is really hurting the chinese economy and also not only the economy but the political system because they they were you know being a centrally planned communist led you know non democratic situation over there they need everybody to be happy and in order to be happy in order to keep your political power uh in order to be happy you need to have a job and so if they start losing jobs and the economy starts falling apart and they're they're going to be panicked over there very very quickly in China. So,
2: do you, do you uh, feel like do you feel like that that's beginning? Well, let me ask you this, and kind of stepping away from China, but that being a part of it, is there issues with our bond market? I mean, there seems to be these signals of recession. Maybe that is that is that tied with China, or is that something of our own making?
3: I think it is tied to China. Uh I don't I think uh you know, if China were to go into a kind of a debt implosion, you know, a debt bomb went off there and they had to their banking system, you know, kind of crumbled and they had to rebuild everything and a lot of businesses went out of business, um, uh, they would that would send uh what I s what I mentioned earlier, a deflationary wave across the globe. And deflation is not something that any of us want. it, it means the prices are going down instead of higher. So um, so that's something that the Federal Reserve and just uh, everybody would like to avoid, but the bond market seems to be sniffing it out ahead of time. So even though uh, China hasn't yet imploded, it seems like the bond market's figuring it out, saying, hey, this is a big risk factor. And so if, you, if there is deflation, what you want to buy as an investor is the highest quality long-term bond. And so you've seen uh, that happen. And so as a result, investors are worried about these these issues. And they're buying these government bonds all around the world, driving yields down to the lowest level, even lower than they were in the Great uh, Recession in 2008. And so it's, uh, it's telling us something. Uh, I don't The bond market's usually more right than the stock market when it comes to these guesses about what's going on. So it's worth paying attention to what the bond market's telling us right now. And it, and it could very well be telling us that China's about to really hit the skids.
2: All right. Now we take a step back and say, "Okay, China." We look at it about to hit the skids. I wish you hadn't said that. That make, you know, it, it makes me nervous when you say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. I really it get, make, it get it.
3: It, it shouldn't make you too nervous, though, because again, it's going to be more of a problem for China and Asia and the emerging markets. Less so for Europe and the U.S. Because uh, more for Europe though than the U.S. Because they do export a fair amount to China, but we don't really send too much over there. So we actually could be, you know, a net beneficiary in some regards from. China's troubles.
2: Well, this that's my question then. We've enjoyed this enormously long, it's the longest economic uh, expansion that we've ever had in our history. Question, and kind of we got into this question this recently, this past week, of some people, is that a good thing? I mean, we've now over 10 years of an economic expansion. Would you, and my question to you, is that something we should be good, say proud of, or is that something we should be a little concerned about?
3: Well, obviously, it's good that we haven't been in a recession all over that period of time, but it certainly has felt to many like we were <laughs> during many of those years, even though we weren't, right? Because the co- the economy was growing so slowly, and uh, so it has been the longest-lasting uh, re- expansion at over 10 years. But it's all, if you look at the graph of other expansions that were shorter, they added more to our economic activity. the The growth was much larger than what we saw in this long one. So this has been long but slow, really kind of boring. right? Until recently, it's gotten under Trump, but obviously it's kicked in the gear a little bit. And so that's helping, uh, helping some, but it's been a long, slow economy. So it's been good that we're not in, in recession, but it hasn't been a, a great thing in the sense that it's uh, been a booming economy. And so we still haven't had that, that full uh, big boom that we often have towards the end of an economic expansion. And so that also, Could be a good thing in that, even though the Federal Reserve is worried evidently about recession, and we have seen manufacturing uh, uh, that sector of the global economy, not just here in the U.S., but right across the globe suffer pretty severely recently. Um, It's you know, we're we're still growing and we're still moving ahead, and hopefully, that'll be something that will continue. So, it's hard to say that uh, an economy that's you know, growing like crazy or not growing like crazy, but not. It won't stop growing. It won't go into a recession. Not that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but it's not as good as it could be. And uh, we've, you know, we're we're still a little bit disappointed, even with this long, longest ever uh, economic expansion. However, like I said, Trump's policies have kind of kicked it into gear lately. Hopefully, that will
2: continue. Well, I think a lot of people have said this expansion and even this market that we talk about this has been the most uh, uh, doubted doubted or, uh, you know, people say this is not real. It's, you know, something. So it has been something. Let me ask you this. I said in the monologue that August is the worst performing month of the market, S&P 500, for the last 25 years. Now, we kind of can figure that out and talk about that. But in, in, in your opinion, where we are today... Is this going to be a good finish for the year or are we just going to continue to slide? You look at the numbers, you go back to January of 2018, S&P 500, you know, about where we are now. We haven't really moved much. We've had a lot of volatility. Are we going to finish strong or what do you think is going to happen the rest of the year?
3: Well, a lot will depend on what's going on uh, with the Federal Reserve and, uh, and these trade talks in China. Uh, but you know, on balance, uh, I would expect that we would see a little bit of weakness here in the next little bit. That's just kind of seasonally normal. There's no guarantee that it will happen, but that's kind of what typically happens. And there's a number of things out there that could cause the, the stock market, which is hitting all-time highs, uh, just to stop and take a breath and maybe go down a little bit. Nothing that anybody should be concerned about. Any, anybody listening to the show – if uh, they hear me saying, "Well, you know, the market might go down a little bit for the next couple of months or so," uh, you should that should not cause you to change your behavior in any way, shape, or form. If you're if you're a long-term investor, it's just kind of a normal thing the market does, and it's not something you should be concerned about. Uh, and so, I would expect too that when we get into the uh, the end of the year period, which is historically a really strong period, in fact, the strongest period for the market, that uh, that this market should continue to uh, you know do well and maybe hit new all-time highs as we close out the year. I don't think we're going to race, uh, race higher at this stage of the game, but I think we can continue to climb higher. And uh, so there may be a little, a little brief respite here, but I think by the time we get to the end of the year, things will be in, in better shape.
2: If you just tuned in, my guest today is Rusty Leonard, CFA. He is the founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, and a frequent guest of ours. Always does a great job. Rusty, couple of questions here just at the closing. I know that we look at this this market, and you said eh, seasonally adjusted, probably moving okay, and you're not you don't you're not sounding any alarms. And I hear that, and you're telling us to understand China, understand the bond market. Do you see? This market, anything like it was in, the, say, the last? Uh, let's go back to two thousand one, two thousand seven. The crashes there. Is this should we be worried about that? Is that anything indicating to us that they're similar, or is this totally different?
3: I think it's pretty much totally, totally different. Uh, actually, the, both of those crashes were totally different, right? So the uh, the first one was the tech tech bubble uh, crash, and uh, we don't have. Uh, We have certain stocks. The growth stocks are pretty highly valued right now. So to the extent that you're in the market, you probably want to be moving your positions closer to the value end of the market versus the growth stocks because they have gotten expensive. But the market overall is not expensive. It's not at a uh, tech-like, the internet bubble uh, valuations. We're not we haven't lost our mind as investors in, in general. Uh, maybe on individual stocks or individual sectors, there's a bit of bit of lunacy going on, but there's there's not a general lunacy going on. So it's not like the internet bubble. It's more like the the crash that we had in um, uh, two thousand eight, because the valuations then also were not terrible. But we had a banking problem. This time we don't have a banking problem. We have a strong banking sector, and the debt uh situation in our country is not a, a huge issue. We have uh reformed, so to speak, and, and done better. So it's a more the debt problem is more outside the United States uh and not inside the United States. And so I don't think we're set up for a big crash. Obviously geopolitical events, things like that could change uh things very quickly. But you know, this is a pretty low risk environment for a, a major crash like we saw those last last two times we can get a, a normal correction but nothing i don't think we're going to see anything that shocking
2: so a normal correction we understand what that is so you're looking at basically steady as you go for the rest of this year which is good yeah. 2020 yeah. the same or do you say big lights blinking in 2020 it's an election year what are your thoughts uh
3: well uh, it'll come down a lot to that election probably as we get closer to it uh if President Trump is looking like he's going to be reelected, the market's probably going to look favorably upon that. If it looks like uh, a Democratic presidential candidate is going to be elected, and if they could also capture Senate, the Democrats, then I think the market would be very concerned about that. So I think it'll, a lot will come down to the election as the year moves along. The economy, at the moment, we do see some weakness in the manufacturing sector, but uh, perhaps the Fed's efforts to uh, head that off in the pass will work. And, uh, we, should, you know, the, everybody's employed, everybody's making money, they're spending their money. The economy shouldn't fall apart like a cheap suit here unless something really odd comes in from left field.
2: I have one more question for you. We're going to take a break, but I really want to find out what you're thinking about the Middle East. It seems like every day there's something going on with the Middle East, particularly with Iran. I really want to find out uh, what your thoughts are. Are we – Does this something we should be concerned about? So when we come back, let's be prepared to talk about – What's going on with the Middle East? And I really want to zero in on Iran. If You just tuned in. My guest is Rusty Leonard. He is the president CEO and founder of Stewardship Partners uh, Council, Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours. And we're just pleased to have him on. We've been talking about the economy. We've been talking about what's the updates that we're looking for and really what was China looking like. And he's given us some great insights. You'll want to listen to this program again. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
1: Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker is a registered
0: representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment
1: advice or a recommendation. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: And welcome back. My guest, Rusty Leonard, founder and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council, a frequent guest of ours. We've been talking about the market and the update and getting Rusty's insight. And it's always a pleasure to have Rusty on the program. Rusty, uh, I just my last question to you. Things are uh, this Middle East and we've got it just seems like it's it's noise, but it's serious noise especially with Iran and to some degree Turkey is, could any of this lead to really a financial disaster worldwide or, I mean, the oil stuff, all the things, there's so many things that could go on with the Middle East. Your thoughts.
3: Yeah. And uh, things are always going on in the Middle East. That's right. (laughs) It causes causes a lot of headlines, but uh, at this point in time, and it will cause additional headlines in particular, you know, Trump has uh, talked, he's been very wise and not, you know, engage with Iran. Iran seems to be trying to draw us in. He's just saying, oh, yeah, I'm just ignoring you guys, which has been wise so far. But at some point in time, they may push it far enough where he has to uh, act. And he's indicated and trying to uh, scare the Iran into believing that he would use uh, all you know devices, military devices at his uh, beck and call to just devastate them. So uh, if that were to happen, if, particularly if he used, say, a nuclear bunker buster bomb, that would certainly, uh, you know, rile the markets for a little bit. Uh, but I think very quickly uh, markets realize, well, that's not as big a deal as we thought, and it's put Iran down, and that they will not be a mu- as much of a problem. But for a while, obviously, oil prices would soar, and you'd have all all that, and there might be quite a dance before we ever got to such a point. We hope we never do get to such a point. Then during that dance of uh, increasing tensions. Uh, You could easily see uh, the stock market reacting to that, but again, we're producing enough oil here. We're exporting it now. It's just not as big a deal for the United States uh, as it once was, and so therefore, I don't think the impact would be anything other than temporary.
2: Well, it's good to know. I mean, it's so we do see it a lot of news, and again, it's we would call that a geopolitical problem, and so that's the issue that we look at and. uh, how we think about that. Rusty, it is a pleasure talking with you, sir. It's always great insight, your wisdom, and your discernment of what's going on. I think what I've heard today is steady as you go, there'll be some volatility, but we're not expecting any great big problems uh, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, just stay invested. If you're a long-term investor, you're saying keep your you know balance, rebalance when you should, keep yourself diversified, yep. and stay the course.
3: Yeah, maybe uh, maybe take a little off the table on the growth stocks and move in the value stocks.
2: There you go. All right. That's good advice. Thank you, Rusty. Such a pleasure. Rusty Leonards, he is the president and CEO of Stewardship Partners Investment Council. It's a pleasure, Rusty. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: Okay. Thank you. Always uh-huh. a pleasure for me, too.
2: Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Well, we're going to move to a segment of the program that I think that everybody, I always anticipate, love to listen to this lady, Nancy Crawford. She is with the Better Business Bureau. She's the Director of Marketing and Communications. Nancy, welcome to the program. Thank you. You know, I got to announce this. I mean, a couple of months ago, it was Nancy Crawford. And then all of a sudden it comes now. It's Nancy Crawford butcher
4: butcher now, yes. tell me about that i got married in yes. december and uh honeymooned in italy and sicily and it was lovely cold snowed in sicily wow. which you don't think of uh, but up in the mountains it's really cold and uh yep good
2: to have you here. headed on a new road i can tell that's great got a <laughs> smile i know you've always had a smile though Nancy, of course, is a person we always like to hear from. She does a great job of telling us what's going on in the city and especially what we need to be looking for uh, in the Better Business Bureau, what they're doing. But I guess for our listeners, I want to give you a chance right off the top, Nancy. Most people know BBB, Better Business Bureau, but I'm not sure that everyone understands what you actually do, what's your responsibility, the breadth of the Jews. So can you give us a little bit of the history and and what's going on?
4: Sure. Um, Everybody thinks of us as those complaint people. (laughs) You have a problem with a business, you can file a complaint with the BBB. Um, You might even see that on television shows. Uh, Judge Judy had a segment and somebody said they had filed a complaint with the Better Business Bureau. And she said, you either lied to them or you're lying to me. (laughs) So most people have heard of us in that aspect, but we also do other things. Um, We keep reports on businesses, both BBB accredited and non-accredited, that's members and Um, non-members. There are more than 100 Better Business Bureaus in North America mostly in the United States. We're set up regionally. We have one in Mexico. Mexico City is our brand-newest Better Business Bureau. And we try to steer people towards the reputable businesses, steer them away from businesses who they may not have a satisfactory experience with and warn them about scams. So if you think of a scale of 1 to 100, with 100 being really good businesses out there, and zero being the scammers who really aren't going to give you anything for your money. They're just trying to steal from you. Somewhere in the middle are real businesses, legitimate businesses that have a business license to operate, but they don't treat their customers the right way. And those are the ones we warn you about. So if we didn't report on the bad guys. Uh, on, on the non-members, I mean, we couldn't tell you about the bad guys out there because you can't mistreat your customers and not respond to complaints and not respond to customer issues and be a BBB-accredited business.
2: So uh, when you say Better Business Bureau, I like the term, Better Business Bureau. It's about being just a better business. Now, are, would I call you a, a consumer advocate? or a business advocate?
4: Well, actually, we're neither. <laughs> we're Switzerland. We're neutral. neutral. And so uh, consumers often say, oh, you're going to side with the business in this dispute because they're part of your organization. Businesses often say, oh, you're going to side with the consumers because that's what you do. We try to bring parties together so that they can come to a resolution. So if you have a problem and file a complaint, we will send it to the company on your behalf, and we do expect every company to respond, whether they're BBB-accredited or not.
2: Would you call that a mediation?
4: That is mediation. I mean,
2: this, you're looking for as a mediator. You're sitting. There. I like the way you said that, neutral, because I would have said that some people would have, would have labeled you as a consumer advocate. And yet I know that businesses are the ones that are members.
4: That's right. And and all of our funding comes from reputable businesses. We're not a government agency. We have no regulatory authority. We are a nonprofit organization run by and funded by reputable businesses in our area.
2: Well, you said regulatory. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. I want to talk about my organization that is my regulatory. It's called the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority, better known to me as FINRA. And it's the one that is my umbrella. Greg knows a lot about FINRA, a lot about compliance and all the things we have to do on this program. But I understand now there's a relationship between the Better Business Bureau and FINRA. And I want to talk about that when we come back. You just tuned in. My guest is Nancy Crawford of the Better Business Bureau. We're going to talk about the relationship between BBB and FINRA. We've got a lot of these little terms. But we're also later on in the program, who is most likely to be targeted by a scammer? That's important. You don't want to miss that. Stay with me. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to Talk Money.
1: If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this.
5: Ida Wells was notorious in her time. She was a slave when she was born in 1862 in Holly Springs, Mississippi. But when the Civil War ended, she was able to begin attending school as a former slave through the Freedmen's Bureau. When she lost both parents to the yellow fever epidemic at the age of 16, she took a job as a teacher and moved to Memphis. After two incidents and when she was thrown off trains for sitting in the all-white sections, a circuit court judge ruled in her favor and awarded her $500. But his decision was later overruled by the Tennessee Supreme Court. Wells also worked as a journalist during this time, and after receiving death threats in response to her reporting of local lynchings, she moved north, first to New York and later to Chicago, and continued to write and speak publicly about the ongoing racial violence in the South. Although not as well known as Dr. Martin Luther King, Wells is revered today as an important leader in the civil rights movement. This has been another Mid-South History Moment brought to you by Shoemaker Financial.
0: The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and were redeemed
1: to maybe worth more or less than when originally invested. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, when you think about what the Financial Industry Regulatory Authority is, I have to say it's the one that sometimes can keep me up at night. Because it is the authority that I live under as an investment counselor, as a registered investment advisor. And the reality is, it's that group of people that make sure that what we do, we say within some boundary, some lines here that says, you're not going to do things that are taking advantage of a client. Now, you got to say, they do a great job because they can... Take your license. They can find you. They can stop you from working. They have a tremendous authority. Greg has begun to identify with that. When I introduced Greg to Fenra, uh, you know, he used to have a head of hair. If you can't see him, he has lost all of his hair. Fenra has worn him my, out. They
0: keep me on my toes. <laughs>
2: yes, they do. Well, in 2012, the Better Business Bureau and Fenra got together. Nancy, my guest, Nancy Crawford with the Better Business Bureau, talk about what took place in 2012.
4: Well, in that year, um, the Better Business Bureau launched BBB Smart Investing. It was a national program that educates consumers about scams, especially investment scams, and how to spot the signs of a scam to prevent a financial loss. Now, we've always warned people about scams. So FINRA decided, hey, it makes sense for us to reach out to the Better Business Bureau. They've got the ear of the public. People are used to looking to them for advice about scams. We are not giving any investment advice. That's your job. <laughs> Our um. job is to say, here's how to spot an investment scammer. Here's what an investment scam might sound like. And this year, we have updated the program materials. And you know, we can give these presentations to any group of people, a church group, men's group, civic group, uh, any of those groups. And we focus on outsmarting investment fraud, recognizing those red flags of fraud, and being able to spot the con.
2: Yeah, th- that's so important. I, I I was introduced years ago. This has been several years ago. This was a person that was uh, advertising on the radio and had a sponsor type. He was just sponsoring a program. And he had seen that all the things that I mean, he looked good, you know, well, Bernie Madoff, you know, he scammed more people than you can imagine. But this particular individual here in the city literally looked like everything you would expect a person that was legitimate to look like. Except there was, I knew, but, but you know, how do you run in and say, wait a second, this is not, he didn't have the proper, I'm going to say proper licensing that I would have thought he would, should have had to be doing what he was doing. And he ended up spending. Well, he's. I guess he's probably still in South America today, with about almost nine hundred thousand dollars of our local citizens here.
4: Oh my gosh! And uh,
2: just, uh, just, and he did a great job. He and everybody just was wide-eyed, saying, "I can't believe it! I can't believe!" It. Well, it was. He was totally dedicated to doing nothing for a three-year period, but scamming people and people that literally. I would have thought some of them would have been those looking and identifying, as you said, how to recognize. They would have recognized that, but they didn't. So how do you recognize a scammer?
4: Well, you have to understand the psychology of a scam. They're con men. They gain your confidence. FINRA and AARP went into prisons when we started this program with them, and they interviewed con criminals people who had scammed people out of money and they said how'd you do it what were your tricks and over and over again they came up with these five psychological tricks that they use against us and people fall for them we're emotional beings we have a, a research side of our brain, very analytical side of our brain, and we have an emotional side of our brain. And we do our research on the analytical side, but we make our decisions on the emotional side. We make our decisions based on the fact that we like this person, that they are um, they go to the same church that we do. They're in the same business groups or civic groups that we are. And when these guys trick us, they don't do it the first time they talk to us. Mm. It's going to be over an extended period of time. They're going to know all about you. They're going to know your wife's name. They're going to know your kids' names, whether or not you have a pet, where you go to church, what you like to do on the weekends. And then they're going to use all that information against you. Wouldn't you like to be able to go visit your children who live in another state? more often. This investment can help you do that. This investment is going to give you, you know, unbelievable astronomical returns in a short amount of time. Recently, within the last year, we got complaints from people here in the city who had given $1,000 each to some individual who said that in 17 months, he was going to hand them a million (laughs) dollars. Okay? If it sounds too Too good to be true, true. (laughs) it probably is. This person had no license. He had no um, understanding of investments. He had an idea. And
2: people still gave him a $1,000.
4: And people gave him money. And, And what they do is use your friends against you. Yeah. That's part of the tricks. So if they uh, go to your church and they get a church member to buy in, then they say, well, Jim, you know, Ralph knows about investing and he's buying in. This is a good deal for him. Why, why are you not doing it? Are you too dumb to get it? Yeah. And they use that against us. Um, you know who else uses these tricks, these psychological tricks a lot? Shopping channels.
2: Oh, <laughs> <you>
4: heard, ever... <laughs>
2: I do not. I know some people that are addicted to them, but I am not one of those.
4: But they use these psychological tactics as do legitimate businesses. These are marketing tactics. But the scammers and the, the uh, online uh, TV shopping shows use them to a great extent. If you think about Those shopping shows, they have a little ticker counting down the time, right? Hurry, hurry. Oh, yeah.
2: that's Hurry, (laughs) hurry.
4: Time's going away. You have to hurry. Uh, That's scarcity. Um, They also use scarcity of product. If they're selling a shirt in red, blue, and green, you'll hear them say, oh, oh the green is gone. You can't get the green anymore. Hurry up and buy the red or blue. They count down how many people have bought that product and tell you, you know, 20,000 people have purchased this in the last hour. And that's using that peer pressure against you. Well, if everybody else thinks it's a good deal, I should think it's a good deal as well. So It's interesting the next time you're flipping channels, stop on that for a minute and just see if you can see some of those tricks. You know,
2: I've told people over the years to avoid that pressure, avoid the emotion and step away from something and give it a 24-hour, 48-hour period of cooling off if you got to make a decision. If somebody says, well, you have to make the decision tonight— Don't do that. I made one of those about 47 years ago. I was, well, it wasn't quite that long ago. Uh, Newlywed and married and knew that we were going to have kids. And in walks the guy that's going to sell me encyclopedias. And if I bought them that night, I was going to get this kind of a discount. I paid on those encyclopedias about 20 years. you know. And some of them, I never take them. I don't have them anymore. But I never took them out of the plastic, you know, but I had to have them.
4: Exactly. That's the way it is. So anytime somebody says you have to make a decision right now, like you said, step away. Ask, are you licensed? Right.
2: Get to know. Just know the questions to ask. When we come back, let's go through those questions. Okay. And then I'd like to make sure that we know, how do you protect yourself? And that's starting with those questions from becoming the victim. You just tuned in. My guest, Nancy Crawford. Nancy Crawford Butcher. I won't give him credit. You know, I mean, that's good. But it's Nancy Crawford to me, Better Business Bureau. When we come back, we're going to find out how do you protect yourself from, from becoming A scam victim. It's important. Stay with us. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money.
1: Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this.
0: Shoemaker Financial, North Securian Financial Services do not hold themselves out as experts on identity theft or cybersecurity topics. Please visit the Federal Trade Commission's website at identitytheft.gov
1: for more information. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: My guest, Nancy Crawford with the Better Business Bureau. We're talking about scams. We're talking about those people that are targeted and how do you protect yourself. Let me give you out some information. If you want to contact her, it's 901-759-1300. That's 901-759-1300. Or simply go to the website bbb.org. It's bbb.org. Nancy, I guess what I really want to know, who is who is the target? You know, scammers know I'm not a good target for some for scammers. I mean, I would, I think I'm not a good target. I mean, think back, think it back. Probably, <laughs> probably got a zero target right on my forehead. But who are the really the people that they just need to be aware? Who are the ones that scammers are really looking for?
4: In a short answer, everybody, anybody who has any money at all. People say, oh, I don't have a lot of money. Why do they want to target me? Um, And it depends on the scam. Investment scams. You know who the typical victim is? A 65-year-old male with a family who suddenly realizes, oh my gosh, I have three kids and two of them are daughters. They're probably going to want a wedding one day and I got to finish putting them all through school. My nest egg is not where it should be. I have to be riskier. And so they may be more susceptible to that investment scam. Um, Young adults carry these phones around with them. They have them in their hand 24-7. So they are more vulnerable to scams that come via text message or on social media. They don't lose a lot of money at one time, but more of them lose money to those scams. And then we all think of the little old lady sitting at home with some money that her husband left when he passed away. She's really not the typical scam victim because she's heard so many years, that's a scam, that's a scam, don't trust anybody, that she's a little more wary than anybody else. There are particular scams that target seniors door-to-door, home improvement types of scams where people knock on your door and offer to do some work for you. Oftentimes, they're not licensed in your area. They're just driving through the neighborhood. The work they do is shoddy if they even do the work, and they run off with your money.
2: That sounds like that typical. You know, my wife and I were working at one time. You mentioned this early in the program. We were involved in some ministry work at a prison. And the warden came to us and said, listen, you guys are getting a little too close because we really were building some great relationship. He said, you got to understand, these are cons, and they don't tell you the truth. There's right. nothing about what they're doing. They are professional cons. And they're, that's,
4: they are looking at what's in it for them. That's
2: exactly right. How do you protect yourself from becoming a victim?
4: Well, you have to use common sense. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Like we said, step away from any time you're feeling pressured to give to a charity, to buy something from a website, um, to look at an investment. If you feel pressured by that business or organization – Ask them to send you information. Legitimate businesses will take your money tomorrow or next week or next year and they'll send you money and give you time, they'll send you information and give you time to evaluate that offer before you make a decision. So remember that you can't trust caller ID.
2: Mm, That's true. Well, I've learned that.
4: You cannot trust who's on the other end of that phone. So never give out information to someone who calls you, no matter who they claim to be. Hang up the phone. Look up the phone number for that entity, whether it's the Social Security Administration, the Medicare Administration. Um, the Federal Trade Commission, the IRS, look up the actual phone number. If you can't find that phone number, call us and we'll find it for you. And you initiate that contact with that person. Uh, Even if you get a call from your credit card company that says we've seen some suspicious charges, I hang up, Mm. turn my credit card over, get that phone number, and I call them back so that I know I'm talking to my credit card company. You just can't trust what your caller ID says.
2: You're almost saying, buyer beware, take it easy, let the emotional side cool off, take 24 hours, 48 hours, and if it's a trusted, reputable company, They'll treat you like a trusted, reputable company.
4: Exactly. They
2: will not force you to try to do something, and that's always important.
4: And check it out with the Better Business Bureau. We have reports on over 4 million businesses nationwide. So you can go to our website or give us a call and let us tell you what we know about the company. That's
2: the key right there. Nancy Crawford with the Better Business Bureau does a great job. You've been listening to the KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice Uh, My guest, Rusty Leonard, early in the program, and Nancy Crawford. If you would like to talk to Nancy personally, call her at 759-1300, or you can go online, bbb.org. Thank you, Nancy, for being with us today.
4: Thanks for having me.
2: We hope you've enjoyed today's program, and as always, thanks for listening. If you have questions for Talk Money, send them to talkmoney@shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney@shoemakerfinancial.com. To find today's program on podcast or past programs, go to iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money.
0: Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant Eleanor Moskovitz, compliance officer Tommy Armstrong, Mid South History moment Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Security and Financial Services Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.
4: Cash.